0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov.
1: what is up on a monday i am brian scott rippey my co-conspirator as always is michael borky we appreciate you hanging out with us on this monday april the 13th edition of the rebel report podcast uh yeah pretty boring honestly it was a weird easter weekend stop me if you've heard this before but i played golf and cooked crawfish and that was (laughs) pretty pretty much my weekend i played friday and saturday uh ate some crawfish saturday did the Easter thing? It was kind of a weird Easter weekend, and uh, obviously, it took a way, very much more serious turn uh, late in the afternoon. You had some really, really bad and scary looking images from the two tornadoes that damaged uh, South Mississippi. And then up here, honestly, it never, like I drove back from Jackson to Oxford yesterday afternoon after uh, around lunchtime. And I drove through some pretty scary rain. It probably wasn't the smartest decision. But after about an hour, I would say, of driving in the rain, it wasn't that bad. And then I think it got bad here last night. My roommate informed me that we had a power outage. But it was well after I was asleep. But uh, it seemed like South Mississippi definitely caused the worst of it. What uh, Was that your uh, assessment of it as well?
0: Yeah, man. Uh, it was really bad down there, especially around Bassfield. Uh, and Bassfield, even though... Uh, one tornado is enough, uh, really hit the city hard. And the pictures this morning are are brutal to see. There was almost another one that a half an hour later was following almost the exact path, and it moved slightly north to spare the city um, a second one. But I mean, that's what it was like. You had back-to-back tornadoes literally following each other for a little while. It It was wild. I mean, When weathermen are distraught at the images they're seeing, you know it's bad. So uh, that Pine Belt area just got hammered yesterday, and uh, hopefully, if you are a listener down there, um, that that you and yours are okay because that that was just hard to watch. I I was watching and listening to the coverage. I I like. I really enjoyed like weather. I think in a past life I was a weatherman. It's just one of those weird interests that I have, and so I was watching it just because I like the concept of breaking weather news and man, it was hard to watch at points yesterday. I mean, Collins in that area and so, so in, in these little towns that sadly you never hear about until something like this happens. And uh, man, it was hard. I mean, weathermen were like shocked at the images. Uh, one of them even said, cause I, I always flip back and forth. One of them even said it was the most impressive Uh, tornado signature he's ever seen and he is a veteran to say the least in the field so uh just an awful day yesterday
1: yeah that is terrifying and like that just awful and like not that there's ever a good time to have a tornado but it just feels like one thing on top of another
0: man doesn't it and then it's
1: just yeah it's like I, i was watching some of that yesterday um just flipping back and forth between the Masters 2019 final round and the weather channel. And I just, like, every time I turn back and see some of the images, it's like, really? Like, this has to happen right now? Like, just, like with all the other stuff going on, it's just, uh, I don't know, just brutal. I hope everyone down there is doing okay or as okay as they can. But, yeah, I saw some of the images that it was, it was pretty rough. And but,
0: then uh, you get the reports that we are going to have a uh, above-average hurricane season. So we have that to look forward to this summer
1: yeah i saw a report a while back uh about a meteor having like a 120 and twenty thousand shot of getting in the earth's orbit that doesn't seem like such a terrible option at this point um but I, <laughs> it just seems like a brutal usually brutal <laughs> 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 yeah i i yeah i don't know but just 2020 i i like the of course you're going to get the classic like internet memes and worn out jokes about how awful every single year is but if there's ever one that's actually earned the title of like kid 20, 20 whatever in in uh, yet this one is uh this one's definitely living up to the reputation i can't think of any has anything good happened this year the super bowl was all right The uh, super bowl was great
0: but- the super bowl was really good um you know the world was blessed with zion
1: williamson so there's that yeah, outside of that, I'm, I'm struggling <laughs> to come up with stuff. Uh, uh, you had pretty good weather for college baseball most of the time before it got canceled. I don't know. I'm really struggling here. This year is pretty much sucked sucked on ice. But, yeah, I was – it's just – I don't know. Like we're hitting the – technically we're hitting the last week for Mississippi of the shelter-in-place. Uh, I say that. But the – Like, next Monday is the end date. Whether that gets extended or not, I don't know. But, like, last week I woke up on this Monday podcast and we had some optimism about sports reports, reports about sports potentially seeing a blueprint to coming back. Uh, This week, the only reason I'm optimistic is because I've had two and a half cups of coffee before nine in the morning. So, uh, yeah, we're just kind of in the middle of it.
0: Nice. Well, man, uh, this is now the worst possible time for me because I have no idea what to do today. And, like, our setup is unique because everybody's in different places, so I work literally alone every day. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. I mean, Dak Prescott hosted a uh, a birthday party for a friend where 30 people showed up, and, I mean, that's, like, the headline today. So three yeah, hours of I, that.
1: Uh, can't wait to get dig, dig into his... uh Morals and character for having a birthday party. Uh, that I guarantee that's going to pop up across national radio platforms all day today, and someone's going to have an outlandish take about how he should be sent to the guillotine or something for it. But <laughs> oh, because they have to. Here's
0: yeah. honestly, here's my take on it, though, because Ezekiel Elliott was there too. Um, it, Dak Prescott's not. I said this yesterday on the Sunday show. Dak Prescott's not a headline guy. Um, he's just the only thing since he's been the quarterback of the Cowboys anyway. Uh, is that like he's dating an Instagram model? Like he does not make headlines, but every off season, every single one, Ezekiel Elliott's doing something stupid. Uh, if you remember last year, it was being so messed up on something at a, at a uh, music festival that he was like shoving security guards and falling over, and he pulled down a girl's shirt in public. I mean, dude's that's trouble. called
1: drugs, by the way.
0: Yeah, I, I just you know, <laughs> um, it, the guy's trouble. And if I was a Cowboys fan. I would think, all right, you you know, you should have social distance. That was dumb to host a party at your house, Dak. Like, come on, learn from it. He'll be fine, whatever. Like, not a big deal. But Zeke Elliott being there, I think, would concern me more because that is the last guy you want Dak Prescott hanging around a long time is the guy that's always getting into trouble. And so, no, nobody should have, like, Dak Prescott shouldn't be sent to the guillotine or whatever. It's stupid. You shouldn't have a party and my God, if you're going to have a party, make sure nobody posts pictures of it online. Like, that would be the next step. But whatever. Seeing Elliot there, I mean, my God, Dallas invested so much money into this dude. And they shouldn't have because of the position he plays. And he still can't stay out of the headlines for just one freaking offseason. Just one time. Like, you are being told to not leave the house, and he
1: still can't do that. At least yeah, Zach was th- home. The bright side of having a a guy like that around is that you can always throw the blame on him. Like the you got to have the thrown under the bus guy. So if you have got a buddy or something then the in the crew that you're rolling around with, the uh like you got to have one guy that you just everyone else knows to that he has to he has to, I fall on the sword is not the right term because that'd be voluntary. Shove the guy on the sword. So I don't know what happened when the cops got there, but I would definitely be pointing at the dude with the nose ring uh in terms of them asking who organized the party and whose birthday and whose idea it was literally everything down to the cake and the booze but yeah that's a, i didn't actually see this story i saw i haven't read anything about it i saw a headline pop up on like twitter or something over the weekend and i kind of got amused by it but i didn't read into it i'll have to do that before today's well, radio show
0: florio poor mike florio because he is taking this social distancing thing i mean Okay, this is about to sound bad. He's taking it way too seriously. Like, there was a picture of Prescott and Des Bryant and a couple other guys after a workout, and there was less than 10 of them, but they had their arms around each other after a workout. And he, I mean, just losing his mind about how terrible it is and all this stuff, and he's doing the same thing with this DAC deal. I am well aware of how important it is to not be around people right now. The virus is deadly. It sucks. And a lot of people are in a really bad way because of it, but man, chill out.
1: Yeah, I can't figure Florio out because he used to be, and I noticed this didn't happen this season. Uh, maybe it did once or twice, but not as often. He used to go on part of my take all the time because uh, like he is de- like PFT commenter's internet father. Like, uh, like That's where they kind of discovered PFT in the comment sections of Florio's website, and he's really funny and like has a sense of humor on there, but like he has a really dramatic take on any time Kaepernick's name is in the news. He gets real dramatic and over the top about stuff like this. I can't figure that guy out. I don't like I like him, I think for the most part. I just I don't I don't really understand him. But uh as far as content today, honestly the main like thing I did over the weekend that struck me was uh other than play golf two days, which is like the ninth time I think I've played golf in like thirteen days in that kind of wild. I don't remember the last time I could have said that. I uh I just pretty much decided, so I had this, I, I played back in like late February one time with my with a couple of guys that I know, and it was like the first time I'd gotten out there in like four or five months, and like 99% of the time, I really don't get like pissed off on a golf course, like most of the time I'm just out there to like have a beer, enjoy the weather, whatever, and just chill out, but there's like the occasional day where like, and you know this, because you played and used to be pretty good as well, like kind of the same thing, like it's like... There's some days where, like, when you can't keep a ball in play and you can't keep, like, anything in, like, straight or on the map. It's just frustrating as hell. It's like that day. It reminded me of that day at at Old Waverly where I got to, like, by the 11th hole. I literally just couldn't keep anything in play. It's like you're losing balls. You're dropping shit on every hole. So that day that happened. I shot, like, I mean, I didn't come close to breaking 90. Like, that just not possible. So that day I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm either going to actually try to practice and consistently play because I have no responsibilities and at least try to stay good or try to get like consistently like decent again, or I'm going to stop spending money on balls and clubs and tees and stuff. So then the (laughs) just start hitting max flies, man. Yes. And then the quarantine hit, and I was like, you know what? If you're ever going to get decent at golf again, like if you don't do it now, it's just over with. Like you're never going to do it. So I've been in a uh, pretty solid golf groove lately, been playing a bunch. Uh, trying to practice some. The university, uh, course, shutting down uh, really killed my driving range vibe, but trying to get out there a bunch anyway. But that being said, uh, following the golf thing, Tiger's 2019 final round or the 2019 final round of the Masters was on yesterday. And uh, I know you didn't catch much of this, but it was really fascinating stuff. It was Tiger and Jim Nance basically on a video like Skype type call. And they show the final round and Tiger and Nance would kind of pop in periodically. And from everything I gathered this, the what Tiger said in Nance's conversation, like during the round was kind of boring for the most part, like Tiger was bottled up. But then after the winning putt goes down, they come back on and Tiger is sitting in wherever he's doing the interview with the green jacket on and just gave some really fantastic commentary into just what was going through his mind. Like, like tr- he was trying to track his kids and whether they got to the course and all of that throughout the day. Uh, he had some really good comments or really touching comments on his caddy. Was it Joe LaCava? Is that right? Do I have that correct? I think so. Uh, and just like everything he'd been through that moment. And it was really fascinating stuff. But uh, aside from that, just initial impressions on the round itself. like Probably the strangest takeaway that I popped into my brain that probably not many else's Uh Brooks Kepka's run in major championships the last two years has just been absolutely sick. Like, I mean, he if he makes the birdie putt on 18 that day, like it probably changes how Tiger plays. Like, Tiger probably doesn't try to just play for a five on eighteen if he knows Brooks made the birdie ahead of him. But like if that putt goes down, he's got a puncher's chance to go to into a playoff with Tiger Woods. And just to me, that entire run he's been on major championship-wise, the last, you know, 24 months is just absurd cuz the it's so hard to play at that high a level on that stage consistently for so like for, you know for one major or two majors in a row but this dude's done it for nearly 3 years now and it's 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 insane how just consistently good he is on the biggest stage because aside from the physical ability that shit is emotionally draining and he just seems almost robotic
0: it's that attitude, isn't it? I mean, it, that's the difference between someone like him and, and say, John Rahm. It, that's the example I like to go back to. I mean, you can use a lot of guys, too. I, I don't know if um, Bryson DeChambeau has the temperament. And maybe that's what's wrong with Jordan Spieth, too. I know he's won majors. Don't get me wrong. But Brooks is so steady because I don't even know. I don't think it's an act. I think it's just kind of who he is. But he seems I like he just doesn't he care. Is
1: he is. I agree.
0: He just doesn't care. Major, The big moments in majors are nothing to that guy because he's just so steady and, you know, whatever, man. Like, I'm bored. Can we go home? I want a beer. Like, he seems like that's his thought process no matter what moment it is on the course, and that's the difference between him and John Rahm and DeChambeau and Jordan Spieth as of late. Speeth gets so freaking wound up tight that he struggles lately.
1: Yeah, and I think we talked about this before, but I, I agree with what you said, and I think that's part of why Brooks Koepka has grown on the general public uh, since he's kind of come onto the scene because he wins that first U.S. Open. And I remember reading like all the columns from Jason Sobel or whoever the hell it is. I was like, this guy sucks. He's boring as hell. Like this was like like it was a good major, whatever. I can't remember where that U.S. Open was, but I was like, this kind of sucks. There's nothing interesting about this guy. He acts like he doesn't care. He doesn't say anything interesting. And then the more he keeps winning and the more he keeps acting like he doesn't care, you're just kind of like, oh, wait, this isn't an act. This guy just really doesn't give a damn about anything. And, like, nothing really kind of riles him up. And so I feel like the more you realize the more genuine it was and, like, that it's not just an act, like, the more he's grown on people. Because I remember I've gone from thinking he was boring as hell and, like, not bad for golf, but I was like, we just don't need another stiff in the spotlight all the time to thinking, like, this guy kicks ass. And then, like, he became a little more personable on, like, you know, no laying up or part of my take and all that. Like he has grown on me tremendously, and I think that's probably mostly why.
0: That and then, like he did the Sports Illustrated or the ESPN body issue shoot and like he his his girlfriend, the uh what is she like an F List actress, um, is like taking pictures with him where he's standing like bare ass naked somewhere, like that kind of stuff. I mean, he's just he's who a lot of guys aspire to be. Yeah, he is. Like, nobody style. aspires to be Jordan Spieth. I keep picking on Speed. I mean, he's won a bunch of majors. But, like, people want to be Brooks Kepka. He's in great shape. Like, he's a good-looking dude. He's dating this. I guess she's a model. I don't know what she is. But whatever she does, like, with her life, he's dating her. And he's, like, going on these podcasts. And he's just got, like, this laid-back, not don't-give-a-shit attitude. Like, he's the kind of guy that a lot of guys want to be.
1: Yeah, I agree. And he also, another element to him is like, as, as you got deeper and deeper into this run of contention and this ridiculous tear he's been on for the last couple of years, like, one, like, I think that just naturally people appreciate that over a long period of time because there's only a select few amount of guys can do that. But as all of that stuff happened, as he continued to play better and better and kept winning, he would also, like, when people tried to, like, you know his quote unquote detractors or haters or whatever all the way. He's not afraid to like just directly shout back at him. Like when Brando Chambly made that stupid comment or whatever about Kepka sabotaging his body over—I don't even remember what the story was at this point—but Kepka like lost weight or gained weight or something, changed his upper bu- part of his body, and like Brando Chamblee, uh, kind of Stephen A. Smith, didn't say that it was one of the great self sabotages of all time. Uh, Brooks wins another major. And instead of just like being like, Yeah, I'm not worried about what guys on golf channel are saying, he basically was just like, Yeah, actually, Brando Chambly's an asshole. Like, you're wrong. Like, he just he's not afraid to kind of have confrontation with people. He's kind of got this same thing. Remember he and Shambo and the caddy thing? Like, golf yeah. definitely needs more <laughs> of that. Like, it's awesome. <laughs> Tell to come tear it to my face. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I will. Yeah, like, like that type of thing. He's just it, it's almost like a fearless thing. So that was one takeaway I had from it. The second was. I'm sure you, got to, you were watching this live when it happened. I was covering a baseball game that day, and we were all watching it. Like, I had it on my computer. It was up on the press box at Swayze. I'll be the first one to admit whatever baseball game that was that day. I remember v- paying very little attention. But even that, unless you're, like, locked into it with the volume on in your house, it's not the same. So that was, like, the first time I've ever gotten to watch the entire thing with, like, the broadcast no other distractions, just sitting there soaking it all in. And, uh, like, that gave me, like, I am I almost, like, emotionally, like, like bankrupt or whatever you want to call it, almost to, like, a, a weird fault. But, like, that even gave me chill bumps. I was like, this is incredible. And it's not like I didn't realize it the first time. It's just I didn't get the full viewing experience because I was working a baseball game, and, like, it's just not the same. But, man, that, in, like, last four or five holes was like some. Like it wasn't even that dramatic in terms of like, like who he was chasing or who was behind him, but just incredible theater. Like the scenes and the crowds and the shots that he hit were just insane. And then when he makes that putt on eighteen, and they immediately just start chanting Tiger and Nance, just lets the whole thing sit for like three minutes. It's a. It was crazy. I've never really seen anything like that. I guess I just didn't really remember it the first time.
0: Yeah, and that four hole stretch. I mean. There's been a lot of great stretches in golf, but more, uh, I don't know if powerful is the word, but the three birdies in four holes. What was it, 13 through 16? Yeah, is there a then, more powerful, powerful four holes in golf that you can
1: remember off the top of your head? No, and that's when it became real, too. Like, not that he wasn't in contention, but you remember, you know, British Open and PGA the year before, he was right there. It just got nipped at the end. And you went to that stretch on 12 thinking, like, damn, I don't think he's got enough gas. Like, I don't I don't know if this is going to happen. And then he has that ridiculous three birdies and four-hole stretch you're talking about. And it went from, please, someone fall back or please just let him be the last man standing to. He grabbed this whole thing by the balls, and this is actually going to be reality. So it was almost better that way for that type of moment. Because to your point, after he had the three birdies and four holes, it became oh, this is going to happen, and we basically just kind of get to enjoy it, barring something crazy the last two holes. Yeah, and it's
0: not like it was one of those masters where, like, Danny Willett sneaks up and wins. That leaderboard's unreal. Like, somebody pointed out on on Twitter yesterday, I didn't even think of it. I did put it on for a little while, but I I was just so consumed with the weather that I, I ended up watching that mostly instead. Um Dustin Johnson, Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, Jason Day, Webb Simpson, Webb Simpson, Francesco Molinari, Tony Finau, all at 11 under or better on that leaderboard. And he won at 13. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, he it had was... to pass the, the class of the sport at the time to win that uh, green jacket.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned the Danny Willett Masters. I forget what year that was, but Augusta a lot of times in particular has a way where the leaderboard's crowded on Sunday. There's so much crazy stuff that happens on the back nine and can't happen. It's kind of one of those things that a lot of times you get, like, the random winners like the Traveler Immelman or the Danny Willett because they just end up being the last man standing when, like, 15 guys have touched the lead in the last hour of play or whatever. But Tiger, like, it, it did, I thought it was going to turn into one of well, those. Well, Danny
0: Willett won when Speed collapsed.
1: Exactly. But you've had a couple of those. You've had a Rory collapse over the years. Like, that's kind of my point to where, like, somebody falters or the guy that had control of the tournament falters and then it just turns into mass chaos. And that's just not what happened. Like, like you were saying, he just, he grabbed, like, that stretch, he grabbed the tournament kind of by the throat and took control of it. And, that's incredibly hard to do for anyone but Tiger Woods in particular at that age after what he'd been through and all that but that scene after where he sees his kids and then like he's just kind of walking around soaking in the moment was 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 pretty nuts. I just I don't think I was able to fully appreciate it the first time because I just wasn't at home and paying attention and like hundred percent locked in. I didn't. I, th- I wasn't the first one to point this out I think no laying up pointed this out as well but I <laughs> some of Nick found his commentary. And I like him. I think he's a good broadcaster, but some of it, and it's hard to announce golf, particularly when you're trying to say what something like does putt wise on the course or a shot. And you're not actually standing out there, but some of his commentary was cracking me up. Cause there was one in particular with Kepka's putt on 18 where he's like, he doesn't have to give up the hole here. And then the thing peels like a foot and a half in seven feet. And you're like, wait a second. What, what did he just say? So there were, <laughs> there were a couple of those, but, uh, Overall, it was—I uh, mean—that was a great broadcast. I'm not always Nance like I like. I think Jim Nance is talented. I think a lot of times he's a little too corny, but uh, he was—I uh, thought he was really good that day, particularly just kind of letting the entire moment breathe. I know Richards yeah. pointed that out a couple of times, but uh, just a wild day. I'm glad I actually spent a couple hours watching that. Um,
0: For sure, I and I pulled up the 2016 Masters. By the way, Jordan Spieth, just as a reminder, made the turn at seven under. Hit his T shot on thirteen at one under.
1: Yeah, but like when he was at seven under, how how big is his lead? It was it was I remember looking at that and it being a lot bigger than I remember. Didn't you have so a five shot lead on the back?
0: Will it won at five under? Let's see. Will it made the turn at two under. So at least a five shot lead. Around a five shot lead. I mean, Will it? in fairness, birdie 13, 14, and 16 on the way in, but still.
1: Oh, yeah, no, he he earned it. But it's one of those like it. It yeah. seems it's not unique <laughs> to Augusta, but like like once Spieth fell, it just devolved into complete chaos. Because like I I I need to go back and there's an article about like who all touched the lead after Spieth collapsed and all that. And then once the collapse happens and Will it birdies those it's like he did take it. But like Augusta a lot of times has a way where when the guy that has control of it falls off, the the entire thing just turns into chaos. And it's fun television, but it's like. You literally have no idea who's going to win. It's just kind of a crapshoot. But, yeah, pretty crazy day overall. I'll take a break real quick to remind you. Podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. Hopefully you went and saw him over the Easter weekend. I've got nothing to do this coming weekend, uh, just like every other weekend until we get our lives back. So I'm probably going to go see him and throw something on the grill. University Avenue across from Kroger, best place in Mississippi to get meat. They've got steaks, custom cuts, all kinds of sausages. He's got grill packs uh grilling is a good quarantine exercise if you do it alone or uh with a couple people six feet away greg can help you out the ribeye sausage is one of the finer things in life bacon wrap fillets uh if you're looking for something to just feed your family at home he's got some ready-made dishes a lot of ground beef based dishes meatloaf other things that you can take home and heat up it is absolutely fantastic support local business greg's the man he made you money throughout all throughout football season uh i am actually looking forward to Ah, uh, to Greg coming back on and picking games again because that will that will be a telltale sign of uh, of life getting back to normal when he is just bankrupting Vegas again. But for now, go go help him out. University Avenue across from Kroger, great place to get meat. I'm probably headed back there this weekend as well. But outside of that, 2019 Masters, there uh, there wasn't a ton of sports news over the weekend. Shockingly, well, there was uh, some did- in NASCAR. Uh, I did not see this NASCAR one, but uh, let's go ahead and just spitball randomly then because I was about to throw out the home run in the Taiwan Baseball League that actually made me like genuinely feel things when I saw it on Twitter. Like, I know a lot of people exaggerate uh, when they see something cool they like on the Internet, but I was playing golf on Friday and saw the highlight of the first professional home run of 2020, and uh, the Taiwan League got back in action. And this this random guy who I couldn't tell you who he was for the life of me hits a home run to left center in an empty stadium. I was like, man, I I watched it three more times. I was like, this is beautiful. I can we get some of this back?
0: (laughs) Maybe we will. We haven't talked about it yet. uh, On the radio show. I mean, we're going to do it today, hopefully. Um, But let's just do it here. We'll get to the NASCAR thing later. Basically, Rippy, a driver who I've never heard of during the iRacing thing where they're getting real NASCAR drivers to race against like streamers and stuff and do it all online. Um, used the single word that a white person cannot use uh,
1: while live-streaming it. So, Kyle Larson but how does has, how does that still—like, ha- how does that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> like,
0: I, I'll send you the video so you can watch it. I mean, he, he says it clear as day with the hard R at the end as well. And Not
1: that it matters at all, but what is the context? Like, I, is he calling it's someone hard that, or to is he tell. just—
0: Yeah, like he's trying to get somebody's attention.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, I don't uh, don't have much of a a, (laughs) – I'm pulling up this story as we speak. Not that the context matters at all. I'm just curious as to how that still happens when you know you're on national television.
0: I mean, you're streaming. What are you doing? And then you hear one guy just go, yikes. (laughs) So, yeah, he's going to lose everything. Kyle Arson's his name. This yesterday is the first time I've ever heard of him, but, uh, it'll probably be the last time as well.
1: Apparently they're having some struggles with this. I thing because after the nut, the two nut graphs of this AP story or ESPN news services, excuse me, uh, where he's explaining what, like how he said it and what he said. It says, this comes one week after Bubba Wallace, quote, rage quit an official NASCAR iRacing televised live nationally, and his sponsor fired him immediately. <laughs> what is going on with these iRacing <laughs> things? I thought this was good, compelling television. It says, it says Wallace had been wrecked and fed up, quit the game, admitted it was out of anger. So he basically, this is the adult version of getting pissed off and turning the Xbox off.
0: That's exactly what that is.
1: <laughs> Maybe I need to get more into this NASCAR iRacing stuff. I mean, like, more so for the rage-quitting stuff. I don't yeah, really need to the other- hear guys use racial slurs on uh, on iRacing. But uh, I was told the finishes on this were pretty good, and now you've got dudes just quitting mid-race. Sign me up.
0: Yeah, the rage-quitting thing's funny. Josh Hart's had a hard time on uh, Call of Duty, apparently, as well. I saw uh, Slam Magazine was just sharing clip after clip of Josh Hart just going... <laughs> getting so mad because he was dying in call of duty we need sports back man
1: yeah we really do i mean i i I saw i've i've seen people are now betting on madden sims uh that's
0: uh are you serious
1: yeah (laughs) that's not a sign that that you can you can offshore bet on madden sims now and so if that's not a sign of the times good good god i don't know what else is another thought i had from the weekend so uh Did you see they uh, apparently did the horse competitions? Uh, I saw, like, Tamika Catchings beat Chris Paul. Trey Young played someone. I can't remember. Did you catch any of this?
0: Uh, No. I was going to tune it in, but and I probably shouldn't use uh, Twitter as a guide of anything, but I saw people tweeting about, like, sports writers, like basketball writers that I follow and read frequently were like, this is just so bad. They should have thought this a little bit further through. And so I didn't tune it in.
1: So you're going down the same path that I was about to lead this down as well. I caught probably five minutes of it, and I turned it on, and it was Tamika Catchings versus Chris Paul. The camera work wasn't very good; like it was like almost like a homemade like web stream thing. Like it just wasn't very compelling. And like I admit it, I, I watched like five minutes of it, and I was like, I'm changing the channel. This sucks. But I'm also probably not going to dump on it. Like, I saw a bunch of people just crapping on it and, like, this is terrible. They didn't stream it through. Well... Guess what man? I bet the dudes in charge of programming at ESPN didn't have global pandemic playbook just <laughs> sitting there in the bullpen. So at least they're trying with ideas. Yeah. And I'm not going to discourage them from having ideas because I don't know how long this shit is going to last. And so if they keep throwing out ideas, one of them's probably going to be successful. This one sucked, but I'm not going to crap on them for it because again, no one knows what the hell's going on. We don't have anything to watch and at least they're trying things and I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, the effort is there. It's the same thing, well, maybe not the same thing, but it's a similar concept to the people that just completely shit on any idea that Major League Baseball or the NBA has on trying to get back. At least they're trying, man. Like They've got to try to do something, and no, Major League Baseball's first idea that Jeff Passan uh, got the scoop on was probably not feasible, but guess what? They adapted a little bit. They came up with a new idea, and it makes a little bit more sense. And so, hey— in a couple weeks from now, they'll keep adapting and they'll keep talking to medical people. And maybe we'll string another few good weeks together like we have. I mean, last week was a good news week. It, the, the virus is still affecting a lot of people. It's still deadly, sadly. It is. But last week was the best news week we've had since it started. Things are happening, good things. So maybe a couple weeks from now, it's more feasible. And they keep adapting their ideas and evolving their ideas and they can make this thing work because the second wave of doing the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League, that's a better idea. It, it makes sense. So w- what happens in a few weeks from now? Maybe it's even better. And maybe the, the curve is flattened and, and shrinking and we've got widespread testing. Like At least they're trying to bring us back to some kind of normalcy. Instead of just shitting on it, b- maybe at least be constructive. Like, oh, this is terrible. It'll never happen. Why do that instead of, well, you know, that's probably logistically a nightmare. So here's how they could evolve this idea and make it work. Why can't that be the angle we take? Just like with this horse thing. I didn't watch it. I probably wouldn't have enjoyed it. But holy hell, at least they're trying.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm just not going to crap on it. Like, I I would like for them to continue to try. If they bring out five more ideas on television that sucks and then one of them is good, I would consider that a win because – we have nothing else to do and nothing else to watch. But yeah, I agree. It's just the like. I guess the slight difference is is on the on the like the ambitious idea of leaks coming back. Like you can have the almighty uh, or self righteous take of this is just dangerous to the public health. Even though the original Jeff Passan report, I believe, said the CDC was backing it. Uh, but like at least they whoever like sits on their ivory tower and like dumps on it can uh, – can like go with that angle like this where people are just crapping on it for the quality. Cause obviously you're not putting anyone in danger when pro basketball players are playing horse basically by themselves, but against someone else at a different site. Yeah. People are just crapping on the quality of it. I was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm, I'm sorry ESPN under delivered in their horse tournament that they're now throwing on because that is where we are in the sporting calendar. But you touched on it a second ago, Bob Nightingale had a scoop over the weekend, uh, about MLB considering radical realignment for the 2020 season, whereas basically they're going to turn spring training into their two leagues: the Grapefruit League in Florida and the Cactus League in Arizona. It's basically how uh, you would—it's basically how you would do like the spring. I mean, it's basically how spring training works out. It's not basically, yeah. but they would realign it into divisions. I saw to where the Yankees, Phillies, Blue Jays, Tigers, Pirates are the north of the Grapefruit; Red Sox, Twins, Braves, Rays, Orioles south in the Grapefruit. Nationals, Astros, Mets, Cardinals, Marlins, East. Cactus League, you've got the Northeast with Cubs, Giants, D-backs, Rockies, Athletics. The West with the Dodgers, White Sox, Reds, Indians, Angels. And then finally, the Brewers, Padres, Mariners, Rangers, and Royals in the Northwest Division. So three divisions of, what is that? Five teams apiece. Did I have that right? Did I count that right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So... That's basically where every team would be in their own spring training facility. You would do it in Florida, in Arizona. Uh, This idea seems more feasible. Um, It would be weird. Would it kind of suck and be less than ideal? Sure. But if this is what it takes to get the season back, this makes more sense to me than the first one, I think.
0: Makes a lot more sense. Uh, I mean, to the point where I could see them going through uh, with this idea right here. And, uh, of course, as always, I I saw a a story in USA Today yesterday. It was well done. It had uh, a lot of medical experts that weighed in on how we can get sports back. And the first thing was, if you're going to create a bubble, make sure it's not penetrable. So everybody involved will need to be tested for either the antibodies and test positive for them or uh, negative for coronavirus. And everybody that is involved in the operation, you have to have cleared and then also them not come into contact with really anybody else. So if you're going to do the bubble, you have to seal the bubble. And the second thing that they all mentioned was, if you see somebody that says we need a vaccine before sports can happen again, that is that is not true. They said what we need is just the widespread testing and antibodies and the regular testing. It needs to be widespread and regularly available to anybody, and then we can get sports back. There does not need to be a vaccine before we play again, but there needs to be readily available testing before we get sports back again. That was where they drew the line. And I found that interesting because that seems likely in the next few weeks or, or months even uh, because a vaccine is a long way away. So I, I found that I- encouraging, at least that medical experts and, and these science people and these smart people see that there's a light that's achievable even if we don't let fans in the stands for a while um to get them back and do it safely and that is basically keeping the bubble which i know it sucks but if that's what you got to do that's what you got to do and having readily available testing which seems very likely at some point in the near future
1: yeah, and this just goes to show how different and just like broken up uh, the sport, just the news like consumption model is at this point. Because I read a story about an hour before we recorded on from Sports Illustrated called "Bursting the Bubble: Why Sports Are Not Coming Back Anytime Soon," and it was exactly what you said, where it was just a bunch of she interviewed a bunch of uh, medical people and scientists, as she called it, that basically said no vaccine, no sports, and there was really not much nuance to it other than that. So. Glad they got that one out there. <laughs> that's amazing! I, My yeah. God, we read. It's literally called bursting. It literally says "bursting the bubble." Why sports aren't coming back anytime soon? Like, why does anybody need that? Like, I get like talking to medical experts and all that, but like, come on, man. So yeah, I agree. I don't think that's necessary. Necessary either. I don't know when things are coming back. I don't know when things are getting back to normal. I've said that from the beginning, but that doesn't uh, that doesn't drive ratings. But this MLB idea is interesting. Like having the I mean, it's feasible because you're broken up. You don't have like a facility issue. You don't have to like play multiple games at one facility, like mul- at one facility in a day. Like everyone's back in the comfort of their own homes. Clubs can be responsible for sanitizing and basically just kind of policing their own spring training facility. Players are familiar with their facilities. They're familiar with the areas. Uh, you know, as far I don't know, I don't know what. If, did this report say anything about families and quarantining and all that? It would seem much easier for players to maybe not have to do like all of that in terms of being away from their families for four months uh, if they're at spring training facilities, just because they're familiar with the area. Some of the richer players might have a place down there or a place that they're familiar renting or whatever. Um, but this this just seems more logical.
0: Seems a lot more logical. and. Uh, just as you were talking, I, I pulled up that story that I read yesterday on the Sunday show, and I mean, that's that's what they're saying is just access to testing. That is so funny that you had two stories on the same subject say two completely different things. It, man, it's tough right now to uh, to even imagine, but yeah, I this like seems this, most likely.
1: I like this quote from Tony Larusa at the bottom of this Nightingale story that just says. There are so many workable possibilities. Why give up on any alternative until it's clear it can't work? What we can't do right now is give up. Like that's the difference between the people actually making the decisions and working like in major league baseball or in the NBA or behind the scenes, the people, you know, who have a financial uh you know hand in the pot here versus the people that are just, I guess, I don't know, uh, crapping on any kind of realistic idea. But Again, I don't know if it's realistic. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I like that they're throwing the idea out there. But
0: yeah, I appreciate the effort, and they need to do it. I I, I repeat this all the time because I, I whatever. Um, there's not a whole lot to talk about, so I'm going to get repetitive. This is not about the motivation behind playing again. It's not about oh, people just need to be entertained. Like if you have if you work in sports media and have that take, man, take three steps back and realize how important sports are, not to us random fans, not to people that work 9-5s to and go home and put the game on, not those people. It is important to them, but they will survive without them. It may suck, but they'll learn how to read. They'll take up a hobby. They'll paint. They'll get a fish tank. I don't know. They'll find something to fill the void. But there are so many people, myself included, and all of you that work in sports media included, whose livelihoods are tied up into these teams and these games getting played. And yes, some of them still won't benefit if you play in front of empty stadiums. However, the players still need to get paid, and without games they don't get paid, and the clubbies don't get paid, and the bus drivers don't get paid, and the peop- the trainers don't get paid, and the people that provide them food don't get paid, and the account executives that work for the television Networks that get paid on exclusively commission from selling ads for these games don't get paid, and the producers don't get paid, and the in-studio hosts don't get paid, and the radio crews don't get paid, and the beat writers don't get paid because Gannett's already furloughing people. That's what so many people in our business somehow are missing. The effort to get sports back has nothing to do with, oh, we just got to get it because Americans just need to be entertained. That is not what's going on here. It is, we need to get this back because without it, we will sink a whole shit ton of people. And the fact that people in our business will perpetuate the idea that we are a messed up society because we can't survive without sports is so ass backwards. It's, I cannot believe that people can work in our business and have that opinion. I've said that five different ways on this show, but what the hell else are we going to talk about?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got friends that, I mean, I, I, I doubt anyone that works in sports media doesn't have a friend or acquaintance that's been furloughed, laid off, or at least know of someone. I mean, it, you're already seeing the effects of it. It sucks. Like, that's why people want it back. Like, not just because you need to be entertained. People's jobs and livelihoods and stuff uh, depend upon it.
0: But And uh, ignore the Grant Wall's salary. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, I think. Yeah, that illustrated, blew my mind. I mean, Sports Illustrated's crazy for letting that guy go. And I mean, the fact that they're airing their grievances publicly, um, it's kind of getting embarrassing on both sides. If we're being honest, the soccer writer was getting three hundred and fifty K. Believe me, that is not what everybody in this business is making. Like when a guy that works for Gannett's getting furloughed, that's devastating.
1: Yeah, that's a, that salary is like a couple hundred bucks under what we make, so it's not the norm at all. <laughs> yeah, $350,000 for a soccer reporter. Now, like, granted, he, he, really is most, he is the most – he is the – like, because it is when, even as bad as this industry can be sometimes. When you get to, like, the top of the top, like, it, it, it is pretty lucrative. So, he, yeah. he, to credit, he's been there a long time. It was the soccer writer, but it still was just – in the current like climate and world we live in, that sports journalism to see that kind of salary it was like, whoa! That guy was raking it in, and yeah. I'm not hating on it either. Like, oh, like, good you. on him. I just I was shocked to see that number.
0: Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean he he's soccer reporting. When you think of soccer writer, he is number one on everybody's list. But damn, like that, that's that's bringing bringing home the bacon as uh, that new barstool hire guy likes to joke about.
1: The, uh, the last thing I had today, we had a listener, a buddy of mine, uh, he texted me yesterday. Uh, he, I guess he was late to the Mailbag Friday, or listened to it on Sunday. He can't really be late listening to a podcast. But uh, he didn't get his two cents in on the worst stadiums before. He, uh, he texted me, and he saw a no-hitter thrown in Tropicana Field. And still his takeaway from that night was how dumpy the stadium was. So that's a pretty – I feel like that's a pretty crappy stadium if uh, if you see a no hitter and your st- takeaway is still man this place sucks. Yeah, that
0: I mean I've never been. It does not look uh, appealing on TV. At least they got new turf. Remember what their turf used to look like?
1: Uh yeah, it's <laughs> I mean, indoor baseball, I'm just not a fan of indoor baseball stadiums. If you want to do the retractable roof thing fine, but playing baseball indoors is weird. I I, I can't I, I can't get used to it. I don't like it. I've never covered a game in an indoor stadium. I don't think no, I mean, there's no college places that did it, no. I mean, like, they
0: just, they need to have a retractable roof, and by the way, I don't know if you've noticed how far the stadium is from Tampa. Like, you have to cross the bay. It's in St. Pete. It's, and you have to cross the bay and then drive south for a little while. Like, it's not anywhere close to actual Tampa, Florida. And I know they're the Tampa Bay Rays, not the Tampa Rays, so technically, like, it's it's two different things. Like, Tampa Bay is the body of water, but Tampa's the city. So it's still, like, the name makes sense. But from Tampa, you have to cross a body of water and then drive south for a little while to get to the stadium. And they wonder why they have attendance issues. Yeah,
1: not to mention they have the one of the smallest payrolls in baseball and their stadium is awful. Like just it's, but it's interesting. They're a well-run organization. I mean, they've They've won a couple of division titles, made a world series. They are incredibly well-run and won 90 games, I believe the past two seasons. Like it's kind of interesting how, which baseball teams are well-run and the ones that have just shit tons of money are oftentimes incredibly dysfunctional. Look at it. You Cubs, but (laughs) yeah, that was a, uh, that was a, uh, we got that chimed in. Uh, Other than that, that was really about all we had. I I missed this over the last weekend. Uh, Ole Miss signed a kicker from Jackson Academy. So, uh, you know, that brick school on Ridgewood Road continues to just crap out D1 athletes. I don't know if you saw that. His name's Land Gebhardt. Um, Yeah,
0: the most Ole Miss name ever.
1: Hey, just wrapping the MIS brand. So, uh, good for Land, uh, good for JA. Uh, we'll continue to put players in the league. I think we have seven NFL quarterbacks at this point, but uh, no one is counting. Wait, really? No, I don't think anyone from Jays ever played in the NFL, but it uh, uh, made you think for a second. I was about um, to say,
0: damn, good for you.
1: No, hell,
0: hell no, <laughs> that's more than Alabama. So, I, they've uh,
1: they do have a D1 quarterback now. Ken K. Den is still repping the JA brand strong, but anyway, as far as old miss news. That was really about it. I think we t- we did talk about on Friday show them clarifying the uh, the no on per- in person events on campus cuz I did get asked about that from a couple people over the weekend They're like what does that mean? I'm like doesn't mean anything. They just the university drafted a terrible statement I think without sports in mind cuz then we had the old miss sport one of the old miss sports spokes people reached out to us late Thursday night We're like hey that actually doesn't have anything to do with uh like sporting event or student athlete events. It's more just like Summer camps and things like that. So, for anyone that didn't catch that Friday, Ole Miss's uh, no in-person events on campus to August one does not apply to Lane Kiffin and the football team. Is the simplest way I can put that. So, yeah, if you do, and even if, if it did, they would make they sure would amend it. Didn't. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if people start bringing college football players back on campus to have camps and stuff in July, I promise you, Ole Miss will try to do the same and be successful.
0: Yeah, without a doubt. I just, uh, I hope it happens, man. I I keep thinking what a January through March college football season would look like. And then here's a question that nobody's really asked, I don't think is, I mean, are you really going to play the college football playoff in March and then turn around and have them play a season in the end of August? That seems like a quick turnaround. I know they're young kids, but you need an off season.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree, and I like I said from the beginning, I don't know what's going to happen, but like to me, it, at this point, at, at least at this point, unless it gets worse or, I guess, doesn't get any better in the coming months, doesn't it seem more likely if it's delayed, it's more so by a couple weeks than it is like starting it an entire semester late?
0: Yeah, that's... Um, man, that would be an ideal scenario, too. I mean, hopefully we can start week zero at the end of August and, and everything's all good, but if they can... Start the season in October and end it in December, that'd be just fine.
1: Yeah, I wonder if anyone, if we do if everything goes to plan and like the ambitious timelines end up being correct. Do you think anyone's gonna complain about the quality of play in week zero? Because we did have a couple of those columns last year. Oh uh, my god. We had a couple of people, people nixed that wanted to nix the idea of week zero. That was a headline. It's like wasn't was that bad? 40? <laughs> yes. It's like the the quality of play in Florida, Miami should just nix this whole week zero idea. Ever, it's like, dude, it's going to be the same the next week. Like seven days is not making a difference. And yeah, two, and they started complaining about football. They they
0: started camp a week earlier, so they had the same amount of practice time that everybody else did before their first game. So yeah, uh, that concept people- just, man, I, I'm more convinced that, especially considering who places like Sports Illustrated are letting go and, and other major media companies and who they're keeping. It really just might be ideal, especially you since you're you're more on the writing side, is to just like be outraged about everything, like no matter what happens in sports, just don't like it and then write about it, and you'll keep a job forever
1: oh uh, yeah we I mean, I like this idea you could just I'm trying to think of a catchy website name like i don't know the hottest take <laughs> dot com. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, I mean
1: I, I don't get it. Like USA Moral Today World High fires, Ground Sports. Yeah.
0: <laughs> USA Today fires really good reporters and then keeps people on that only write things that are negative and angry. Like uh, about the tiniest tiniest little things. I read a thing in USA Today that was ripping the Olympic Committee for being tone deaf for scheduling the Olympics next year so they had to cancel it right but they already set a date for next year because as you can imagine planning one of these events takes a long time and a lot of people and a lot of stuff so they set a date for next year so they could start working on getting the olympics ready next summer and the column in usa today was they are yet again tone-deaf because nobody needed to know a date right now. We've got more important things to worry about. It's like, you don't have to worry about it. They just set a date so they could plan it. What are you talking about? It just, the, the ability... Pretty much
1: the golf playbook of let's get something in place and have at least, like, a goal to work for instead of just aimlessly navigating this thing.
0: Right, because what happens if it does clear? And P- the PGA Tour in... September is like, oh, shit, we've got months that we can play, but it's too late now. You set a date so you could plan for these kind of things, and then to call it tone-deaf, because nobody needed to know that information right now, and we've got more important things to worry about. <laughs> Come on. And yet, that keeps your job. I think maybe I need to do that in radio, too, man, is just say the most outlandish shit every day, and I'll keep moving on up. I mean, it, had, that that's what'll get me advanced in radio is just say the dumbest things, but be different and I'll be like Rob Parker or something.
1: Yeah, or Stephen A. Smith. I mean, they're kind of the master of it, but
0: <laughs> I can't be Stephen A, man. I the the thing about Stephen A is he's ridiculous, but sometimes he's so damn entertaining.
1: I mean, that's what the job is.
0: But I can't stand, like, I think Max Kellerman's awful. You know what I mean? At least Stephen A's got, like, the entertainment value. I think Kellerman's ridiculous. Like, I, his face bothers me. But at least Stephen A's, like, theatrical and all that stuff. And he's, he's got, like, entertainment value. But just random hot take guy does nothing for
1: me. <laughs> that's uh, certainly true. I think, uh, I think that's really about all we had for today. Ah, uh, we we slog through another hour. Borky and I will be on radio this afternoon with Hey Dad and Richard Sports Talk Mississippi, three to six p.m. If you want to tune in for that, uh, we'll be back at it on Wednesday. I'm probably going to do a guest Wednesday and slash or Friday. I just don't know who yet. I'm going to find someone interesting to talk to though. But uh, if you have any questions, feedback, uh, we'd love to hear it. Tweet us, text us, email us, whatever. Uh, but we appreciate you joining in. i remind you one more time, go to LB's University Avenue across from Kroger if you're in the Oxford area. Want to do some grilling? I know yesterday's weather was awful. I hope everyone in South Mississippi is doing as well as they can and staying safe. And hopefully you and those close to you were not as affected as some were by the damaging tornadoes. But Friday and Saturday, you did have some good weather days. Hopefully we have some uh, coming in the future as well. No better time. Uh, To throw something on the grill, hang out, and get through this quarantine, go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger. They've got steaks, custom-cut sausages. He's got the Lane Train Special, the Keith Carter Special. Um, He's got grill packs, all kinds of stuff. Go see Greg, University Avenue, across from Kroger. Borky and I will be with you on radio this afternoon. We'll be back at it on Wednesday. But for Michael Borky, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. See you then.